Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam, and while you open your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 28, I'm going to put 20 minutes on the timer. Sometimes when you teach a Bible study on a timer, uh, you pause at odd moments. And so we ended last week talking about um, these uh, uh, Aaron and his sons being robed a certain way and kind of just left it hanging. So let's pick up there. Verse 49, weave a tunic of fine linen and make a turban of fine linen. A sash is to be worn uh, to be the work of an embroiderer. Make the tunic, sashes, and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Um, Some people would probably prefer uh, that I dress a little more formally on Sunday mornings. Uh, There is certainly a preacher's uniform that it, that used to exist. Um, and in some churches, there still is. And they would love this verse that says, so they can serve me with dignity and honor. I believe, and I think I've been fairly consistent on this, that there are universal truths within the scripture that have to be worked out in different contexts. So, um, I try to dress appropriately. And that would mean something different in one context as it would from another. Um, I, I think that that is the general idea that's being um, put out there. So, uh, you know, I brush my teeth. I, I try not to wear a wrinkled shirt or a shirt with holes in it, you know. Um, but I try to dress in a way that is how people dress. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's going to have different takes on that. I don't think this is some sort of command for how Christians ought to dress, especially on Sunday morning. Um, There's no prohibition against it either. I remember uh, I grew up in a church that was very casual in how you dressed. And I remember my dad would dress a little less casual didn't put on a suit and tie per se, but he dressed a little less casual than a lot of his friends did. And I remember asking him once uh, when I was, you know, in, in early elementary school, I said, Dad, we don't go to that kind of church. It's awesome. Why aren't, why aren't you just dressed normal? And he, now what I didn't realize is that my dad was, you know, kind of worked a, you know, he worked a real physical job and he was always kind of sweaty and, and, and dirty and, and, you know, union worker and all that. And so, it was like nice for him once a day, once a week to get kind of cleaned up and put on a nicer shirt. Um, I don't think there's any strict rule one way or the other. And we've, we've definitely, uh, you know, sometimes people show up kind of chill and casual and sometimes people show up a little, little nicer and, and however you want to. I think the bigger part, everybody wants to focus on dignity. I'd rather have somebody who serves with honor. I'd rather have somebody who serves with honor. That's my takeaway. Verse 42, make the linen undergarments as a covering for the body. Reach 
from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. So the lasting ordinance part means that uh, this is the uniform continually. And that's not such a big deal back then because, you know, how life was lived between like 2000 BCE and 1000 BCE really wasn't that much different. It's not like today where you go to, uh, say you go to Rome and the guards at the Vatican are still wearing the same uniforms designed by Michelangelo and they look ridiculous or uh, a little less ridiculous, but still ridiculous. You know, you go to London and the, the, uh, the guards who never smile um, and, and everybody says, oh, I'm going to get them to laugh. But I'll tell you what, I've multiple times been to London. I, I, I lived in England for five years and outside of Manchester and York, the, the two cities I lived in, I think I've been to London more than any other place and spent the most amount of time there. I love London. And um, you think you're going to mess with those guys until you realize that they're holding machine guns. Like they're not just there for decoration. They are legitimate guards who will legitimately waste you if they think you are a threat to the royal family. And then it changes things a little bit. But they are good sports. I've taken my fair share of pictures uh, with them. But what I found is good policy, if you ever are in London, is uh, if you're going to do something crazy, I just found it was good policy to give them warning. Like, hey, man, I know you can't respond to me, but I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to jump right next to you. And I'm going to do this picture of me jumping next to you. And so please don't hurt me. Uh, I don't know how we got into that, but but that's, uh, that's my little story there. Uh, the bigger idea to me, though, is this idea, you know, like, why is God prescribing their underwear? What's going on there? The priests had very, very, very physical jobs. The priests had to be a public um, butcher, so to speak. The sacrifice would come, the sheep, the goat, the bull, the bird. There are all these different sacrifices, and the priest would have to go and and would have to do the work of of slaughtering these animals, sacrificing them, dividing up the different parts of the, of the, of the body for, for different usage that are going to be prescribed here in the law. And when you are doing that kind of physical work in everyone's view, in fact, there uh, part of their job was actually to get up on this ladder to where the altar was. And, and so what God's basically doing is he's designing a uniform that isn't going to show more than, than they would prefer be shown. Um, and you do have to kind of take that into account, right? Like, uh, you, you have to you have to think about that. You know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to go out and maybe doing a lot of work. You know, nobody nobody needs to see the plumbers. You know what I mean? Nobody needs to see plumbers crack. And so I think that's what's going on there. Most of the time, I'm going to tell you this is something true when you're reading the Bible. Most of the time, when you get something and you think that's weird, why is that in the Bible? It's almost always for practical reasons, far more than it's for anything like deep or spiritual. It's just practical. Verse 1, chapter 29, this is what you are to do to consecrate them. Because God keeps saying consecrate them, and now he's going to explain what that means. So that they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect. And from the finest wheat flour, make round loaves without yeast, thick loaves without yeast and olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves without yeast and brushed with olive oil. 
and put them in a basket and present them along with the bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Take the garments and dress Aaron with the tunic and the robe of the ephod, the ephod itself, the breastplate. Fasten the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband and put the turban on his head and attach the sacred emblem on the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Fasten the caps on them. Tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by lasting ordinance. Incidentally, there are plans to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And there are organizations that are preparing or have prepared just about all of the things that they will need for worship in the temple as prescribed here in in the Old Testament. And their plan is to let young men with the name of Cohen serve as priests uh, because Cohen apparently means priest or has a derivative in that word. And so the thinking is, is that this was the way that people who were of the tribe of Levi, when the dispersion happened, uh, kept their identity as priests. And so that's kind of their, their best plan as far as that goes. Interesting fact. What I think is more interesting, though, is the process of becoming a priest to be consecrated. And this idea of consecration means to be set apart uh, for a purpose. It involves some humility. You had to go and literally, not in front of everyone, but you went into this tent and then somebody, you were totally exposed to them and then they dumped you in water and they dressed you and then they poured oil over your head. And this is sort of a humiliating thing. We don't have something like that. However, um, this likely, it's still, I mean, it's, it hasn't been official yet, but it's going to happen. Uh, likely, this November at annual conference, I will be, uh, my, my, my transfer of ordination from my previous group of churches to our denomination uh, will be completed. And I'll have to kneel on stage in front of everybody and they'll place hands on me. And that's a humbling thing. I, I don't like that. I'll be honest with you. My, my, my pride does not like that, uh, to have to go up in front of everybody and then kneel and do what they tell me. There's something in me that just says, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know what I'll do if the superintendent hears this podcast, but you know, fine. Good, good. That he knows this is a great opportunity. I love that. There's a little bit of humiliation for me and for anyone who feels called to lead the church. I love that there's that humiliation. And I think that's what God is doing. He's having them humble themselves before the whole people so that they can lead. Verse 10, bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour the rest of it at the base of the altar. So they had this altar that was built up and there was a metal top to it where it's essentially a fire pit. And at each end of the altar, you know, four corners, there's these metal kind of horns that came up. And so they were to take some of the blood from the sacrificed bull and they were to go and with their thumb, put a little bit of the blood on each of the horns and then pour the rest at the base of the altar. Verse 13 
take the fat of the eternal in the internal organs and on the long lobe of the liver and both kidneys with the fat on them and burn them on the altar. Because remember, this thing's basically a big fire pit. So they were to take all of the fat from the internal organs and, and burn it there as an offering. Verse uh, 14, but the burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its intestines outside of the camp, it is a sin offering. So what God is doing is he's giving them a formula for worshiping him, and this is their big sin offering. And so they were to take the bull, its blood touching the four corners of the altar, and the rest poured out at the base of the altar. This would signal uh, the, the purifying, the, the sanctifying of the altar itself. And then they burn the, the fat there as an offering. But the rest was to be taken outside and burnt. And that, as the sin offering, the picture there was that they, the sin was being removed. The sin was being taken outside. Jesus was crucified outside of the city, not within it. Our sins are not still with us. They have been removed by Jesus. We've been set apart through his blood shed for us. And all of these things are just a picture of Jesus. Verse 15, take one of the rams and Aaron, his son, shall lay their hands on its head. And what this is with this hands, laying the hands on these animals is identifying with them. Laying hands on them is identifying. That's why we lay hands on new pastors. When I was first ordained as a pastor in, in 2006, the pastors of several local churches of the group that I was part of laid hands on me prayed over me. When, when my ordination will be transferred in November, they will do the same thing there that, that, that pastors from our conference will, will lay their hands on me and say, we identify with you. The same idea is here, that they're laying their hands on these animals as an identification. Yes, we have sinned and we identify with this sacrifice that represents our repentance and our offering for our sin. And if you want your sins to be fully removed, because that sacrifice had to be done every year. It wasn't complete, but our sacrifice is now complete through Jesus. And so we have to lay our hands on him and say we identify with him. That's what baptism is. It's a public declaration of identification. That's what publicly professing our faith is. It's a public way of saying Jesus is my master. I identify with his death. I identify with his sacrifice, and that is the atonement for my sins. Verse 20, slaughter the ram, take some of its blood and put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and on his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. Then splash the blood against the side of the altar and take some of the blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated because they needed the covering. Take from the ram the fat, the fat tail, the fat on the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, both kidneys with the fat on them, the right thigh. This is the ram for ordination. So this is a sacrifice specifically for when you're consecrating or ordinating a new priest. 
from the basket of bread made without yeast, which is before the Lord, take one round loaf, one thick loaf with olive oil mixed in and one thin loaf. Put all of these in the hands of Aaron and his sons and have them wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar along with the burnt offerings for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, a food offering presented to the Lord. After you take the breast from the ram for Aaron's ordination, wave it before the Lord as a wave offering and it will be your share. So what what does that mean? It's interesting to me that multiple times in the scripture, it talks about fragrant offerings before the Lord. God seems to care about things that we might consider mundane or just human elements. He seems to care about how things are ordered. He seems to care about how things even smell. And so I think there is nothing wrong with churches saying, hey, when we come together, is it a comfortable space? Is it, is it you know, the, is the lighting right? Is the heat right? Is the music, is the, you know, we have background music so that it's not awkwardly silent, you know, when you're the first person to walk in the door. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Christians get weird about that. They walk into a church that's bothered to take the time to care about, you know, lighting it nicely or having comfortable seating and they say oh look at this opulence i guarantee there was somebody who thought that about what god was prescribing here for aaron and his sons in the priestly worship in verse 26 it says you take the breast from the ram for aaron's ordination wave it before the lord and then it will be your share the priests had no land given to them the other tribes of israel had land and inheritance given to them. The priests did not. Their share came from the Lord. He was their inheritance. And so I have no trouble as a pastor taking a salary from the church if possible because we see this repeated in Scripture. Whenever possible, the ministers of, of, the, of the gospel should be supported when they can. Now, I've gone and and taken work outside of the church when I've needed to. I've been pastoring since 2001. I have not always been paid by a church. But that doesn't change that I I want to minister as God gives me the opportunity. But I I think even going back to here, you see a biblical, actually going even back further, and, and, and Abraham offering tithes to Melchizedek, the priest. We see a biblical precedent for this. So there you go. Consecrate, verse 27, those who are part of the, those parts of the ordination ram that belong to Aaron and his sons, the breast that is waved, the thigh that is presented. This will always be the perpetual share from the Israelites for Aaron and his sons. It is the contribution of the Israelites are to make to the Lord for their fellowship offerings. Abraham's, or Aaron's sacred garments will belong to his descendants so they can anoint, be anointed and ordained in them. The sons who succeed him as priest and come after uh, to the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place or to wear them seven days. Then take the ram for the ordination and cook the meat in the sacred place at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket, and they are to eat these offerings by which atonement was made for their ordination and consecration. No one else may eat of them because they are sacred. And if any of the meat of the ordination, ram or any bread is left over till morning, burn it up. It must not be eaten because it is sacred. So what God's saying is, is I'm going to provide for you. 
but also don't be greedy. I'm going to provide for you, but don't take what's not yours. And uh, I appreciate the efforts we make, you know, when, when the offerings are taken, I don't touch them. Um, we, we do things so that they're, they're, you know, there's no worry that, that Adam's, you know, uh, getting in the, in the savings or anything like that. And I think that's appropriate. We'll continue next week as we continue our study in the book of Exodus. Uh, our 20 minutes are now up. So as we do, I want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of the 20 Minute Bible Study. You can follow us at Faith on Hill on Instagram, Facebook. Our website's faithonhill.com. We meet in person and online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Video versions of this podcast and our Sunday morning uh, sermons are available on our Facebook page. Audio versions are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill Church. And we'll see you again for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.